0: Hello and welcome to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line and me, Dylan Hartley. Hopefully, the return of the Guinness Six Nations is bringing some much-needed normality back into your life. I, for one, am really glad to have an excuse to duck out of the homeschooling. And in that spirit of escapism, I've got another great episode lined up for you. This week, I'm chatting to two guys who are fairly new to the England shirt in one way or another: scrum half Dan Robson and prop Will Stewart. Life in camp for you, uh, two young pups in terms of international experience. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, it's been, it's a bit different being in, obviously, but no, it's been good.
0: Dobby, what about you? No, how I said young in terms of international experience, you're actually an older head within the team. How about you?
2: Yeah, I was wondering where you go with that. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, it's 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 good. It's obviously always enjoyable to to be in camp and, and be in this environment. It's a, It's a little bit different, everyone walking around in masks and, uh there's a lot of downtime on your own and that's that's the big difference is the, the socializing you know you
0: know for you guys where experience is at one end of you know the, the lower end of the scale obviously for you guys to to mix to gel to bond to form relationships do you find that harder
2: yeah i mean from the autumn it was it was probably a little bit easier because the restrictions weren't as much you could go to the team room we had gaming south and once we once you're in the bubble, it was it was a bit of a free for all, so that was all right. Um obviously, that's that's a little bit different now. It's a lot stricter, but I think you just got to make the most of the the rugby sessions, the gym sessions, the meetings, and and the dinner times. Uh, make the most of those. Try and you know sit with some different people at dinner, chat to different people, do some skill extras after with with different people, and and just kind of and utilize that time instead. Boy, always do skill
0: extras. The boss likes <laughs> skill extras, mate,
2: um, because. You know, to, to a lot of our listeners,
0: you guys, um, unknown entities, you know, you, you're new to the scene uh, relatively. Uh, Will, I actually had to go on your Instagram today to find out more information on you. It's a lovely Instagram, by the way. I'll give that a plug. There's some lovely shots of big man wearing minimal clothing, big fan. But what, what sort of people are you? Because for me, I crave that social interaction around mealtimes, around the changing room. I loved all that. But as soon as training was done and I'd done my meal time and I quite liked my own space as well. So are you guys kind of introverted, extroverted? Will, I'll come to you first. What, what sort of person are you?
1: I'm a bit of a, well, I'd say usually one of my big things like coming into camp, like when well, my first involvement was last last Six Nations. And obviously I was like, obviously kind of new coming in. I was a bit apprehensive about me and all these new people, but everyone makes such an effort trying to sort of get everyone to gel quickly that you kind of get to know everyone pretty quickly. But for me personally, I'm probably a bit of a, I'm a bit of a social hand grenade at, at the best of times. So I, I usually try and keep my room, but um, no, it's, it's been good. Everyone, uh, yeah, it's, everyone makes such a such a sort of effort to get to know you and, and sort of trying to be part of a team as quickly as possible. You sound like a good team man, Will. <laughs> and Eddie it,
0: it loves people to just be themselves, mate. So if you want to be a social hand grenade, you'd be a social hand grenade. Uh, Dobby, what about you?
2: Probably a bit similar to you uh, in the day and stuff like socialise and try and do as much as possible and, and keep busy. But I guess that's the one positive for me with the whole COVID stuff is at the minute you get your own room and it's quite it is quite nice in, in the evenings, especially when you're in camp for quite a while, to, to have your own space. We're at Lensbury now. We kind of all settled in, got our own rooms, unpack and, and make it as comfy as possible. And, and to have that own space is, is pretty nice after some days, Yeah. Yeah.
0: What, what about like going away from home? So talking to Anthony Watson, who's um, obviously got a newborn back at home. For you guys, to my knowledge, don't have children. Uh, you have dogs. What's it What's it like leaving for you? Are, are you kind of happy to leave home and come into this environment? Or do, do you get apprehensive about it? You know, what's your feelings there?
2: It's always, a, it's always that mixed things. You're always kind of, especially at the minute when you're in a lockdown and, and you know that you're leaving people that are going to be on their own. I think that's probably the toughest thing, knowing that kind of my missus is is got the dogs to keep a company, and that's about it. But she's, do your
0: dogs have an Instagram, uh, yeah. Well, that is pathetic, you and Elliot Daly. That is disgusting. <laughs> How have you got time to run your own social media account? Train, I'm sure you do something really impressive in your downtime as well, and run a dog social media account. How many of them?
2: I don't run the accounts. I've actually there's 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 two. There's one for my bulldog and one for my two frenchies
0: give them a plug mate where, where can we find um
2: yeah what's so yours? i've got i got brothers buddy and bear which are the frenchies and coco the rescue bully because we res- we recently rescued a little bulldog
0: oh you're just so great
2: <laughs> <laughs> i know but um yeah anyway going back to that uh that's it really i think she's massively supportive on on that kind of side of it it's always i think tougher for for the lads leaving just knowing that we get to come here and kind of do what we love and, and we're pretty lucky at the minute to, to be able to do that. We can still socialise and, and be around a good group of lads, but knowing that you're kind of leaving, leaving them to, to their own is, is always the tough thing, I think, especially at the minute.
1: What about you, Big Will? Uh, Big Will? don't have too many responsibilities at home so there's not not uh, much to sort of manage back there so well, i think my missus is probably happy to be shot at me for a few weeks <laughs> um, uh she was buzzing when i left but yeah there's there's uh yeah i think obviously for the lads we've got young kids it's um, a slightly different slightly different kettle of fish but for for a lot of the younger lads i think there's everyone else is a lot more restricted than us right now in camp we can see people a lot more see a lot of the, like our mates and chat and stuff so yeah it was quite exciting coming in
2: Hi, this is George Ford, and you're listening to the official England rugby podcast with O2 Inside Line.
0: Right, moving on, boys. You guys, how well do you know each other? You, you played at Wasps together. What, what's the, the history like there?
2: Yeah, obviously, I kind of came into the club when, when Will was pretty young, uh, and we had a good few years together. Kind of probably at, at different ends, I was hung around with a, a, a different crowd and didn't mix with the front row that that many times, unless it was a social, really. But yeah, it was, it was obviously pretty disappointing that we obviously managed to lose him in the end uh, to Bath. Uh, I think a lot of the boys enjoyed his social side and obviously his rugby side as well. Uh, Will, first impressions of, um, actually, Dobby. Can I call you Dobby? Absolutely. Can you
0: explain to us why we call you Dobby?
2: It's not that exciting, unfortunately, but when I was at Gloucester, um, shaved my head, and apparently I looked like Dobby the house elf with a, with a shaved head, no facial hair, and it kind of stuck a little bit. Big Jim Hamilton was one of the few that kind of really tried to make it stick, and then after about a year, everyone just gave in and it kind of followed me I think it's
0: a, it's a lovely tale,
2: and your, your hair <laughs> just didn't grow back uh, exactly that was the, the, the last haircut I had so no, don't worry
0: I'm, I'm kind of just sweeping mine and hiding the, the truth <laughs> if I'm honest uh, on the subject of hair will a um, quote from you a few weeks ago saying you're you're more known for your hair than
1: your playing ability true yeah. <laughs> Not the main reason I got rid of it, but no, it was that, that was an underlying issue, I think. I was about yeah. to tell you
0: how impressed and, and almost like uh, I fancied you because you had this.
1: <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I'm actually just a bit disappointed in myself. I, um, it was a bit of an impulse decision and I kind of wish I didn't do it. So I think there's something on the works back there. Go, I'm, I'm, I've got something something in the pipeline.
0: Quick story on Kieran Brooks, who you both know. We were in Bath for, for an England training camp, early days in Eddie's sort of rain. And, um, you know, Brooksy kind of fancies himself. He's, he's a big man, good 130 kilos, but, you know, spends a lot of time sculpting in front of the mirror, a lot of hair product and, and whatnot. Eddie said your tight hairs need to be rough and ready, you know, very Dan Cole-esque. And um, he said to Brooksy, go get a haircut. You fancy yourself too much? You know, like really lighthearted. And Brooksy was like, oh, no, 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 no. Oh. And then Eddie said, come here, go on. And Eddie gave him 20 quid at the front of the bus and said, go get a haircut. And he <laughs> had the afternoon off that, that afternoon. Do you know what he did? I'm guessing, I'm
1: guessing he got it. Uh, the lid chopped
0: off. What do you think, Dobby? Did
1: he shave it or not?
0: No, he kept his hair, gave him the 20 quid back, and he was never seen again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so there's
0: a lesson. If Eddie tells you to get a haircut... Get a haircut, all right? I
2: was going to say you'd know, either got it shaved or spent the twenty quid on some food or something.
0: So the, the mullet's gone. I thought it gave you some sort of superpowers, and you know I'll, I'm not one for superstition. So are you?
1: Yeah, I think that's the reason why I stuck around so long. That my my fortune turned a little bit as I was growing it because I kind of started growing it when I started a bath like a year and a bit ago. So um, I was a bit reticent to get rid of it, but um, yeah, and see, see if I start playing terribly, then uh, then <laughs> then we know that what the case is. I have to grow it back.
0: So, we want to talk about your journey to rugby. Uh, Dobby, I want you to go first because it actually really creeps me out when I hit a Will's inspiration to play the game because he said he saw Johnny Wilkerson drop a goal and that got him into rugby and it just shows how young he is. Uh, how did you find your way to rugby?
2: All my family had played rugby, basically. Uh, I've got an older brother, dad, uh, uncle, grandpa, kind of all played. So, I, I kind of went to my local rugby club to watch my dad when I was younger and kicked the ball around and kind of got hooked from that. And yeah, played played age group, club level back home and then moved to Hartbury when I was 16, lived lived at Hartbury for two years, which was very enjoyable. What, what is it, the
0: secret sauce? Is it literally talent, like competitive, everyone going there, which drives it up or what, what are they doing?
2: Yeah, it is competitive. Uh, and it's kind of, there's, there's so many people there. And I think I, I went there, and I'd kind of been one of the better players in my team at school and club for like since I was five till 16. And then I went there and I my first year I played third team the whole year. Uh, got into the second team and at the end of my first year. And then basically they got a new coach in for pre-season and, and he took a liking to me. So it's it's all pretty pretty competitive. And, and there's so many people there that are good players that kind of don't end up making it because the so like it is so competitive um, and it's just you live and breathe it there that's the thing is you wake up you have lectures about rugby you, you go to the gym you do everything it's, it's uh, it was good two years it
0: sounds, it sounds almost professional
2: in a way mm-hmm. yeah it is especially because a lot of a lot of people uh, are away from home so you're kind of bored in. so you've got your early morning gym sessions your late evening gym sessions and it is it's it's pretty full-on
0: and, and Will, your journey slightly different. You started in the backs and ended up in the front row. There's a quote from you saying that you feel like you're a back trapped inside a prop's body. Is there any evidence to suggest that you've got skills of a back? Do you, do you still believe you can kick?
1: No, I think that's that's just self-delusion. But um, no, I think I just is still hanging on to the old, the, game, the old sort of under eight, under nine game I played at 10. Just hanging on to that? Yeah, just hanging on by a thread.
0: So, so what about your journey to professional rugby? I mean, it, it's slightly different, you know, being a front rower myself. Uh, I think I played my first kind of season professionally at, at, when I was 19. But as a front rower, it takes years to kind of learn, like get used to that level. How did you find it? Be, being a tight head is obviously probably the most attritional position on the field, in, in my opinion. Mate, you must get paid a lot of money, right? <laughs> still, I'm
1: still on a cad wages okay right
0: so yeah okay. go go back how how, have you, how did you find your way to professionalism
1: I uh I, I started playing probably yeah similar time six six seven yeah just through local local rugby club Salisbury and Andover and then went to uh, went to school called Radley like a, a boarding school in in Oxfordshire and yeah just basically I kind of never really thought of it as a, as a long term thing until I was about 17 16 and then uh Tom West who's in, who's who's obviously in camp as well here now um both from the same year growing up and we um uh yeah both kind of age 17 got picked up by wasps and then just started the junior academy suffered wasps um and yeah both got signed and then yeah this, this did five years went on loan to yeah blackheath mosley and, and nottingham loved it loved it there and then i think play, probably played sort of a season and a half of of prem rugby with wasps and then yeah signed out for bath for being there for about yeah year and a half
0: do do you think that sort of championship experience is invaluable to a to a front row or or any rugby player? Are you happy you did it?
1: Uh yeah, massively. I mean, I, I was um I was probably a bit naive. Like coming coming out of school, I I like thought, uh probably like hopefully playing some first team rugby. And I mean, I was getting absolutely I was getting just run all over by uh, by Nat 1 props and then A League and stuff. So Kind of was a bit of a, a wake-up call, like knowing that I wasn't ready. So I had to kind of go through the mill of playing that one. And then, uh, yeah, I'm probably a bit biased because obviously it's worked out um, in the long run for me. But those years were massive for me.
0: What, what were your first impressions of, of Dobby at Wasps? Senior player at the time, probably. He's a good five years older than you. Established big money move from Gloucester <laughs> up to Coventry.
1: Like, You're talking about the same person yeah. self.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about you. Come on.
1: Um, I, do you know, I actually, my my first, my first memory is just getting like rings run around me in one of those like pre-season fitness um, touch games uh, and just, just being hanging in the middle. And um, Joe Simpson and uh, and Dobby were just running around everyone for fun.
0: This is Jamie George and you're listening to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. Dobby, you, you've been in and around the squad since when?
2: Probably twenty, 20. 16, 2017, in yeah, and out, dipping in and out. Flirted
0: with you for a long time, didn't it, that international cap? I can imagine it's so bloody satisfying for you now to to be there and, and to be playing and to be involved because, you know, I've been retired a couple of years now and you were there when I was there, you know what I mean? Um, and you finally got capped. Can you give us a little bit of the, the backstory to that? Because you obviously had your, your DVT and stuff like that, if you're comfortable to talk about it. Can you tell us about that kind of long journey that, that you had there?
2: Yeah, obviously, kind of before before getting capped, it's it's always it's always tough. You always kind of think it's closer than it is. Uh, I think, especially you know, thinking back when I was a bit younger, you, you, similar to Will, you you're almost quite naive. You have a couple of good games in the prem, and you suddenly start thinking about other things. And you now you look back and you're like, geez, you, you've got to work so hard, and you've got to be consistent for a long time to to get that opportunity. And I think it was always tough. I think. I got injured in the autumn just before as well that Six Nations that I was playing well and and that was another setback for me and you know luckily that Six Nations following I I got the opportunity to be in the squad with, as only two nines so you know you, your chances are pretty good to to get in the in the squad to to get on a cap and the first game I remember we had we played Ireland and we we ended up smoking them really I think it was thirty five. Ten or something away at the Aviva, and it was unbelievable. One of the, the best games I've ever witnessed, but didn't get on, which is you know disappointing. Obviously, it's one of those things you want to you want to get on and experience it, but also at the same time you're you buzzing because you're you're part of a pretty fantastic win. But then yeah, so then the following week, France managed to get on, which was I don't know. It all felt quite. It was obviously disappointing from the week before to not get on in that game, and then. I played at Twickenham in front of so many friends and family. I had so many people at the game and, you know, I had my family there to see me get my first cap, have a few drinks with and stuff. And it just felt kind of all worth it in that little bit. And it was kind of, I'm, I'm a big believer of everything happens for a reason. And I think those kind of things led up to that and and me getting my cap at Twickenham um, was pretty awesome and, and something I'll obviously never forget. And then unfortunately, yeah, had my DVT at the end of that tournament, pretty random, a bit scary, to be honest. But that put me out for the Scotland game and three, four months af- out after that, yeah.
0: Do you, do you mind if we elaborate on the, the DVT stuff? Like, I didn't know what that was until today.
2: Yeah, so it's it's basically deep vein thrombosis. It's kind of blood clots and I had kind of clots in my legs. So it was probably a couple of weeks before the end of the Six Nations. my My calf was a little bit tight I just felt it a bit tight and as as you guys know like a little tight calf you, you crack on you get some treatment you know it it doesn't stop you it's kind of part of the job isn't it it's uh you don't read that much into it and then it didn't really get any better it got a little bit worse and then we played played Italy my second cap and I remember waking up the next day and I could it was pretty swollen and I could barely walk to the uh, physio, physio room and I was like this is not right at all it doesn't Something something's not right. So obviously went to the physio room, got it checked out, and they were like, "Right, we'll go get it scanned." It's not got any better. We'll see. Hopefully, best case scenario it's this. Worst case scenario it's, it's DVT. But look, that's that's kind of worst worst case scenario. I doubt it will be that. Went had my scan on the Monday. Walked down to the training centre to get ready to go train in the afternoon. Doc called me down and was like, "Look, that kind of th- the thing that we said that you know it's not going to be. It's it's that." Uh, so unfortunately, we need to like get you to hospital uh, and, and get it sorted. So,
0: was there a sense of urgency around that?
2: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so I kind of spent the night at Penny Hill and then went to, went to hospital and saw all the specialists. The next day, had pretty much a day full of scans, and it was yeah, it was pretty pretty crazy. Really, going from Monday prepping to play against Scotland in the final Six Nations game to to be in a hospital, and then yeah. Had had a load of scans that day. Saw the radiologist, and he was basically kind of looked at the scans. I uh, had clots in my uh, calves above my hip, uh, and a few dots in my lungs as well. So it was, uh, yeah, crazy really. The first thing he said to me went, "So good news," and I went, "Okay, good." And he was like, "It's not cancer." I was like, "Right," didn't know that was uh, going to be even in this kind of conversation. So obviously, as soon as that's that's been said, yeah you're hit with this kind of seriousness of, of what's going on. And he said straight away, look, six months minimum on blood thinners. So you can't do anything for six months. Uh, and that was pretty, pretty tough. Uh, had a couple of emotional phone calls on the way home and then went back to London the day after that and and saw a specialist guy called Stephen Black. And he was amazing. I mean, he kind of knew, um, and he was like, right, well, it's a minimum three months that you're on blood thinners or otherwise it's kind of pointless and he put me in hospital. We had a couple of operations like throughout the next couple of days, sucking as many of the clocks out as possible, um, over my 27th birthday, which was pretty enjoyable. Uh, and then, yeah, he was like, right, we'll check in every week. We'll do this. We'll do this. I want to really attack it. Uh, and was kind of really proactive with me, understood, even though he was a S- South African, uh, he, he understood the kind of importance of the next three months for me and, and my career. And, you know, it was uh, it was a pretty tough couple of months, but we we managed to get there and and had the the rescan after three months, and and it had not fully cleared up. A lot of it had scarred up, but they were happy enough with me just cracking on, and and luckily enough, I, I kind of got into that first squad uh, announcement, which was we talk about like proud moments. I think that for me was one of the proudest. I mean, I, I got sacked off after two weeks, but. Uh, just getting in that initial squad for me was 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 such a big moment because it was kind of going from the hi- highest to highest, getting my first cap to, to being in hospital a couple of days later, and then to to re getting the squad from that position was 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 pretty pretty awesome for me. So yeah, it was you know I, I kind of got back in, and, and I feel very fortunate now even now to to still be playing. So yeah, it's it's been a bit crazy crazy eighteen months.
0: It's an amazing story. Like, so you're on this kind of upward curve, getting your first, second cap, and everything's going awesome. And then next minute, you're sat in hospital. Did, did you? Um, you have some pretty dark moments. Did you ever? Like, was rugby to continue playing ever not an option? Was there conversations around that at one point?
2: Yeah, there, w- there was early days. The kind of when you when you see these radiologists and stuff, and they just look at a scan and they go, "This is this. This is this." So that's why I was pretty fortunate to, to like I said, speak to to Stephen Black and he, the specialist who knew my position, knew, knew everything. So he really kind of helped that situation. But there was definitely dark days where you kind of going out and I, I felt good in myself. So I felt like I was training. I just couldn't do any contact because of the blood thinners. And I think that was almost more frustrating than any other injury I've had because... You're out there, you, you're watching the team train, you're doing your fitness on the side, you feel as good as you can go, but you, you can't do anything. I've said it before, like my support system around me, my family, my, my partner and stuff are, are, have been amazing. And, and they were the ones that kind of just kept me as positive as possible. And to get back on the pitch was, was an awesome feeling.
0: Amazing, mate. When you have to train, like getting out of contact training is great, but when you can't train and you're just missing out on training because you can't, that, that, that bloody hurts. Did your experience in rugby kind of get you through that time? Did you treat that as like an injury, just a small setback? And did that sort of rugby community help
2: you through that? Yeah, massively. The, the boys at the club, especially, were were awesome. Just always kind of chatting to me, always making sure that I was okay and what I was doing. And die at the time, obviously, it was DOR, and and he was great. He was kind of came up to me, and was like, "Look, you do you want to run the water on on game days? Like, we want you involved as much as possible." whatever you need kind of thing and and he was great that he reached out as much as possible for to kind of keep me involved so i think sometimes that's the the hardest thing is when you're injured you you feel that separation from you know there's the injured group and then the playing group and sometimes it's pretty tough to to merge those and i think for me it was cuz i was fit and there was technically you know not nothing wrong with me but i could run and do everything and pass and and kick so their thing was to get me involved as much as possible. I, I, I ran a few meetings and did a few quizzes and stuff, and, and tried to have a bit of a laugh with it all. And and yes, yeah, so the support that the club, especially and and the players gave, was 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 awesome. No nah, fair play, man. That's um, I didn't know the the depths of that, if I'm honest. Um,
1: yeah, I, I I didn't well, I didn't know all the depths, and I was at the club at the, club the time. So.
0: You're a bloody teammate. You didn't know this. <laughs> <laughs> Great story of um resilience and perseverance. On that, will. Only a young man. What have you have you had any kind of sitbacks in, in your career?
1: The only times is I don't know, coming through as a young lad, um, especially in the front row, you're probably probably looking at like a lot of your peers, you play under twenties and stuff, and you you see a lot of those lads going on playing premiership rugby and um and at the time you're definitely not ready to play, but that, that was my position and um Westy as well, who's here. We kind of lived together at the time and we were kind of both in and out of loan, both not playing at Wasp, but like playing the old A League game. But we had a few, few, few sappy months, months together in the house.
0: Both of you sat there on the couch saying how good you were and you <laughs> should be playing,
1: no, I think it was the opposite. Both saying how bad we were, and should give it up.
0: <laughs> no, that's um, that's interesting. That like people don't see the the loan stuff. Um, I know loads of guys go do it, right? Like you train all day at club, and then in the evenings or. On your day off, you go and train with a a championship club. You can rack up some miles, right? And it's not like you stick with a club for a year. Like Then your your, your premiership club calls you back because it's a Monday night game. And then you could be travelling reserve down to Gloucester at the weekend. And then all of a sudden on Sunday, you're you're playing for Nottingham. You know what I mean? You can rack up some miles and you're in two or three different teams at at one point. It's not easy to do, right?
1: I mean, yeah, I I had exactly that. I was kind of, I think, for about six months, I was... I was TR for most most of the Wasps games, but then I was playing the day after or, or the day before um, for Nottingham. I know it's challenging, but I, know I, lo- I I did love it just because just the ability to go and play. Like, I think that's like, obviously training is one thing, but as a young lad, you want to be like playing week in, week out. Um, so like to be part of somewhere else where you can be playing week in, week out was massive. Hi, I'm Emily Scarrett and you're listening to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line.
0: get back to Dan and Will in just a minute, but this is the part where you get to take hold of the mic and ask me anything. Send them in via WhatsApp to 07 940 445 002 or review the podcast and leave me a question there with the hashtag Ask Dylan Anything. What have you got for me this week?
2: Hey Dills, Jack here. I'm 10. If you had to eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be?
0: Jack referred to me as Dills. I like that it was anything. Uh, Jack, thank you for the question. If I could eat one food for the rest of my life, what would it be? Uh, eggs. I eat eggs every day. I've got chickens. Yeah, eggs are so versatile. Scrambled eggs, poached eggs, boiled eggs, eggs on toast, eggs in a sandwich. You know, beat the eggs into meringue. You can do so much with eggs. i would eat eggs. Thank you, Jack.
2: Hi, Dylan. Monty Dawling here. I'd like to know what you did as a young player to stand out from the crowd and what tips do you have to help me as I aspire to play for England?
0: Hi, Monty. Great question. Uh, loads of young players ask me this. And I think the hardest thing when you're when you're a young kid, you get put in a position and you practice that skill uh, for that position. My advice to you would be to practice all skills, practice offloading, practice passing off your left, right hand, kicking off both feet drop goals, place kicks, wherever you may be playing on the field, practice all your skills because you don't know where you're going to end up. Good luck and um, get to work. If you've got any questions you want to ask me, uh, just WhatsApp them over to 07940 445002 And I promise you I'll be as honest as possible. So ask me anything uh, and you could be on the podcast next week. Will, Dan, now it's your turn. Ask me anything.
2: How's how's your diet now you don't play rugby? All right. Um, right. I did that thing naturally
0: post-rugby. Post I continued to train, but then I realized, and this ties to diet because I used to train and eat what I wanted and stay on top of things, you know what I mean? But then I realized I was training for nothing and I got bored of training. So training stopped and I kept eating, put on a bit of weight naturally, do a little bit of TV presenting. You know, the, the trolls come out, tell me I've put on weight and uh, since the new year, I've, uh, I've kind of clamped down on myself and, um, you know, start the day with celery juice and all that. I'm on to it. I don't think you'll have that problem, Dobby, when you're done. <laughs>
2: Definitely not.
0: Well, come on,
1: fire one at me. All right, following on from that, what's your favourite takeaway?
0: <laughs> My favourite takeaway would be yeah. <laughs> like just Italian food. Italian food eaten out of a takeaway tray is just so much better for some reason, I don't know. It's like Italian food. What's, what's, what's the go-to? Uh, anything carby, refined yeah. carbs, pasta, sauce, You know, cheesy sauce, these sorts of things. Pizza, you know, I like a little tomato salad, these sorts of things. I like good food, you know, but I just like a lot of it. Hi, guys. Carl Sinclair here, uh, England rugby player. You're listening to England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. What about extracurricular? We, we talk about like players driving their own careers, you know, doing things in your downtime, you know, not not um, nine till five, but five till, till nine athletes. What do you guys do in your, your spare time that you would call professional? Hey, it could be meditation. It could be kind of rest and recovery. But do you guys do anything extracurricular to kind of make you better?
1: There's a bit more of a microscope under, under your sort of body comp than uh, at club level. So, yeah, what, the, what bike at home is kind of uh, my, my worst enemy. <laughs> contact conditioning? Yeah, a bit of contact con, bit of uh, a, a lot of up-downs, a lot of reloads, a lot of sprints. But basically, contact conditioning. Can you explain to our listeners what that is? For,
0: for me, this is probably the worst fitness in the world. Well, basically just hitting, hit, hitting a bag relentlessly. <laughs> I, I think the idea is to, you know, how many involvements do you have in a game within a minute? It might be two or three. Yeah. But when you train, you train harder than a game, so it's like, it's almost like one every ten seconds or something like that, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's like six. Yeah, six involved. Yeah, it's supposed to be six sort of efforts in a minute. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's tough. It's good though. Um, but yeah, just the, the down ups trying to trying to shift the weight back up off the floors. The, uh, the the issue. You're a big man. How many kilos? Um, I'm I'm, I'm quite light
0: You can be truthful.
1: <laughs> no, I'm I'm quite light. Yeah, I'm uh, uh since as I said since being in here it's uh it's. It's uh, slowly, slowly tickled off me, but yeah, I'm about 127. Quite light, yeah. Like, well, <laughs> this is
2: <the>
0: <laughs> Tell me something interesting. Like everyone games these days. All we hear about in downtime is gaming, Call of Duty, FIFA. Come on, impress me. Tell me something interesting that you guys do away from the game. That you're both thinking. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what in camp or just? No, in about you
0: as a person. You know, we're getting to know you
2: okay um well me and my missus have got a, a car leasing company so we lease out vip cars and, and normal cars um so we go source different cars and get deals for for the boys um and anyone that needs a car basically
0: do you do like hashtag spawn hashtag gifted no <laughs> come on mate I'm, I'm unattached at the moment <laughs> maybe
2: get... maybe we'll speak after
0: yeah we will we will well, I asked for something interesting. It's not that interesting, Dobby. Uh, I'm going to come back to you in a second. Will, impress me. Do you speak another language? You play piano? You've got an interesting family history. I know that. We'll touch on that in a minute. What do you do away from um, uh, the game?
1: There's nothing nothing too groundbreaking. Just moved into a new place. So trying to get the feng shui up in, in there, not, not um, just a bit of interior design. Just bought some new plants. <laughs> you love a plant. Just got this you know, the, the box standard piece of, lily, piece of lily. Then I actually don't know the name of the other one. Um, it's big though. So it's, it's drinking up the water pretty quick.
0: Don't water them too much, mate. That's
1: a key with house plants. No, I've, I've, already, I've already killed one. <laughs> over watering. I, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know you could over water a plant, but apparently you can.
0: Well, you can over water a human. It's called drowning them.
1: Yeah, that does so make sense, actually.
0: Yeah, <laughs> just think about it. So nothing really. Car leasing business. And you like indoor plants? Yeah. I read a lovely article on you, Mr. Will, Mr. Will Stewart, uh, on your family history. Can you give us uh, a quick kind of
1: landscape of it all? Yeah, my my great grandfather was an actor, basically, but he was in. He fought in World War One and World War Two, and yeah, the, the stories that he got shot down by. The Red Baron, um, which I, I, I'm yet to confirm or deny, but it, it says possibly on Wikipedia, so I'll, uh, I'll I'll take the family line on that. But for
0: our uh, younger listeners, I had to actually do this, I'm a little <laughs> bit embarrassed, but every day is a learning day. Who is the
1: Red Baron 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 von Richthofen, who's like the, the ace German fighter pilot in, in World War One? I. I can't remember how many confirmed kills, but there's, there's quite a few, but it
0: wasn't confirmed confirmed kill he
1: went on to be uh, a Hollywood actor right Uh yeah he did yeah a few war war films all black and white just uh, that I all could, kind of got made to watch when I was younger no as, as, as I said the complicated families there's quite a lot there's quite a lot of stuff going on all over the place yeah
0: I, I won't dig but uh, the, the Daily
1: Mounds <laughs> probably had a bit more than what he just told us
0: um, Dan any, any fame your
2: side no fun pair, us too aren't we <laughs> <laughs>
0: So you and Elliot Daly have a, a really close friendship. Yeah. Obviously at club, you were really tight. Yeah. How's that been affected with him moving to Saracens and now you're in camp and Jamie George is around?
2: <laughs> I always get this.
0: Is, uh, is it a little bit awkward? Because Harry Williams, when Harry first came into camp, Jamie and Harry Williams started forging a nice little bond and it got a little bit awkward. Yeah. Elliot felt a little bit left out, but... Jamie came back to Elliot. It was a, it was a weird triangle. How, how do you fit into this?
2: It, I, I find it fine. I think I'd find it tough, but I get on really well with Jamie as well. So I think it's it's easy. I think if I didn't get on with Jamie, it'd be it'd be tough. We'd be kind of fighting for attention. Uh, but uh, no, it's 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 all good. Sickens me.
0: Will <laughs> best mate in camp?
1: Yeah. well, like I was a so, yes, yeah, I said I was at school with uh, with Westy from the sort of age of thirteen. So known each other a while, and then um yeah willis uh jack willis come came through the WASS academy together, so um they both have both have had to put up living uh, with living with me for a few years, but yeah those guys probably sp- spend most time with
0: are you kind of showing him the ropes do you hold his hand around camp, or is it you know crack on, do your own thing or
1: yeah, well, I, I, he kind of when it got announced, he kind of called me up and and was uh, asking asking sort of the odd detail here and there and asking about the schedule, and I was like, I'm, I'm not sure. I've only been here a few months. I'm not sure I'm the best person to ask. I'm not the most reliable either. So, um, uh, but then we came into came into camp. I think on the first day there was a sort of scheduled meeting, and uh, basically I, I said that we both needed to be there, and he obviously kind of took my word for face value. But it was one of those the team first leaders meeting, so. Um, nearly walked straight into one of those with Westy and just led him straight into, straight into the air frying pan, but thankfully got told last minute that it was the wrong place to be.
2: <laughs> Hi, I'm Tom Curry, and you're listening to the England Rugby Podcast
1: with O2 Inside Life.
0: Time's running out. We're going to wrap this up. We've got what they call, a, it's called a fun feature. I'll just probably call it a feature, um, and it's called The Greatest. Dan and Will take it in turns to answer what is the greatest and why. Okay, so this is going to be short and sharp. I'm going to ask you what your greatest is, and you're going to tell me why. Will the greatest takeaway?
1: Uh, just, just, just a humble Indian, I think. Just, uh, yeah, that's that's my that's my go to. Just, a, just a standard bog standard. But you need to tell me why. And why? Um, I'm a big fan of a poppadom uh, <laughs> and an onion <Imbarji. laughs>
0: Okay, that's <laughs> fine. Um, Dan, uh, the greatest rugby tour and why? Jeez.
2: South Africa tour a couple of years ago we did with, with the Saxons. We we had two tests against South Africa and one and both. We actually went out the week before the first test so we had a week there of a few drinks, uh, a few night outs and yeah, we, we had a good couple of couple of nights there.
0: Great place to tour, right? Good weather, yeah, good food. Uh, right, back to the big fella. The greatest box set to binge?
1: Oh, peep show for me. Yeah, I've, I've rewatched that about four times. It's kind of it's very comforting, but also slightly depressing at the same time. So I'm, I'm kind of in a bit of a catch 22 with it, but it's, it's easy watching. Sounds like a tub of ice cream. Yeah, it's very much like a tub of ice cream.
0: Right, Dan, Floor Filler, back when we used to have parties. What best song? Come on, most nines are good movers and shakers, mate. Entrance
2: Set You Free is my hanger. <laughs> Each to their own. It is a, it's a, that'll get me on the dance floor 10 times out of 10. Are you lying or is that genuine? No, that is a genuine. It's an absolute banger. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> right, uh, Will. The greatest motivator for you—it could be a person, it could be a food, it could be a carrot or a stick. The greatest motivator for you, Will Stewart.
1: Uh, not very good at self-reflection. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'd say you're just just trying to make my, my family proud. That's probably probably the biggest thing for me. That's a
0: lovely one. Well right, mate.
1: <laughs> just pulled the generic one out of the sleeve
0: okay listen up if you want to win a signed england rugby shirt just drop us a review especially if you enjoyed the episode it'd be good to hear from you guys so everyone who leaves a review this series will be in with a chance of winning a signed england shirt so what are you waiting for i'll be back next week but if you need something between now and then Check out some of our previous episodes with the likes of Mako Amala, Carl Sinclair, Katie Daly-McLean, Forty, and Faz. Just search the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Live. Until next time, stay safe, everybody.